full transparency, like I am in the process, I'm a recovering nice guy. Like owning my power is an ongoing thing um, and process of how do I embody that more and more and more in my life, in my work, in my love life um, and keep my whole body, my whole system, my whole heart online too. I want to show up in all of me and all of the places of my life. another episode of Dear Men. I am really excited to have my friend Jim with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was telling Jim, I was telling you right before we started recording that you're someone I really admire and um, you're a man who I feel like has gone on a journey uh, sort of like from nice guy to powerful man. And I know a lot of the guys that I work with are also on that journey. So I was hoping to hear more about it from your perspective and just what you've seen um, as you've maybe guided other men through that process. Um, So I would love to hear just how you did it. (laughs) I love it. In in two easy steps, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The quick, easy way. Um, I love that. I love that as an intention and I'm really honored to be on with you and to share my story. And we spoke a bit about it as well. My intention is always, if it can help anyone out, then, then that's a wonderful thing. So, um, yeah, I look forward to, to delving into this and sharing my story as well. Is there a starting point that you'd like to to start at? Yeah, I think I would just like to hear, like, I feel, um, like, I'm not exactly sure what the phrase is that you would use around, like, claiming your power or being in your power, but I'm mm-hmm. wondering, what was life like for you, especially around dating, relationships, sex, women, before? Like, what what was life like, I don't know, high school, college, early 20s, like, what, what was happening for you and how did it feel? Totally. Mm. Um, exciting, fun, and flat all at once. Um, so... I was like, I've always been a lover of women, a lover of, of all things feminine. Like I just have always had a devotion to women and not in a like sleep around player necessarily energy. Um, I grew up a missionary kid, so I had pretty strong values coming up when it like pertained to sex and, and, and how I went about that. But when it came to like sexual energy, like I was just always viscerally like driven to women and very, um, I don't know, engaged with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really, as looking back, I can see how it was really from a place of like wanting acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I was basically in those years looking to do anything that would gain the favor of women. Mm -hmm. So it was really moving towards women in a like, will you accept me? What can I do to be worthy of your acceptance? Mm-hmm. Um, some of that was very genuine. Like I genuinely was interested in the arts. I genuinely was interested in body work and a lot of things that mm, nice guys 
to use that term for whatever it, it, it is worth. Um, a lot of times we'll kind of go and master in order to be worthwhile for women. Like I did all those things. I was a dancer. I turned into a dance teacher and I loved massage and cooking and all the things that like made me valuable to women. And looking back, I see how a lot of that was really from a place of not feeling confident in who I was separate from women. Yeah. Um, to just allow them to be attracted to me as I was mm. for who I was and not for like what I could do or for my skill set, shall we say. Or what you, you so, so yeah, those years were like really active, a lot of dating and a lot of like building of skills so that I would be worthy of women, so to speak. So, okay. So it sounds like what, what I'm hearing is um, sort of like approaching dating or seeing women as like, Hey, like, will you approve of me? Like, will you like me if I do this? Will you accept me mm-hmm. this? Or if I can offer this, like, will you, you know, sort of like a, like not exactly scrabbling, but something like wanting the attention for, you know, a reason other than I really like this person. I want to connect with them. Totally. Okay. Absolutely. And moving forward from a place of like, can I do this in a way where I don't get rejected? Oh, like, more about that? I think I would lead with like kindness and sweetness and friendship and similarities, you know, things where we connected. Like I wanted so much rapport. I wanted so much like friendship that I didn't really run the risk of like flat out rejection. I think I, at that point in my development, like, or, or growth, like just stating my desire straight up in a way that really, owned it and left room for the woman to say no wasn't something I felt comfortable with. So it ended up being this very elaborate dance of like, how can I signal my intention without risking rejection? Got it. So for example, instead of like, Hey, I like you, I want to take you on a date. What do you think? It'd be like, Hey, I really liked our conversation. Maybe we could get coffee sometime. Yeah, totally. It was always the side route. Hey, maybe we could dance together. Like it was always some other excuse instead of just the flat out. I really, I'm just blown away with who you are. I want to get to know you better. I'm going to dinner Friday at seven. You want to come? Like I I couldn't do that. I couldn't own that and just put it on the table at that point. And so I'm curious, like the effect of this or the impact, like were you getting friend zoned a lot or like what was your dating life like? Yeah, big time. Uh, I would say I got friend zoned quite a bit and women that I was really interested in, like where I really was worried about rejection because I honestly cared about them the most uh, would be these long elaborate dances of like, what are we to each other? And, and I think there's something here, but then I feel super rejected and there's lots of drama. And like, I played a lot of that in my college years. Mm. Um, And I think I went from that into more of like, okay, now I'm just going to do stable long-term relationships so that I don't have that going on. Oh, interesting. Say, say more about that. Like, was that an actual conscious intention? Like, I hate this, what I'm doing right now. So let me, you know, get a, get a girlfriend that's stable. Like, was it conscious or did it just happen? I think it just kind of happened. Um, as I, as I became more sexually active and like really realized that I didn't do well outside of monogamy, like I didn't, playing the field or, or being sexually active with multiple women at a time just didn't work for me. Yeah. Then it was like, and given the way I was raised, it was like, okay, this works for me is 
monogamy or a single girlfriend, serial monogamy. And so, and my sense of like what relationship meant, how I was taught as as a kid, I just had a strong level of like commitment and make it work and own my faults. And I'm in it, like, I'm in this for the long haul, like even in a few relationships where it was like, this should, this could have very easily dissolved and could have gone our separate ways and everybody would have been okay. I was like, no, I'm going to save this. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be the failure or I really care about her. And so I think I'm doing her a favor by sticking around when really that maybe wasn't the highest truth. Yeah. That's actually, that's a really interesting point about, um, cause I hear this from men a lot of that. If a, like if a relationship fails, which, you know, we could use that term or another term, like if a relationship right. ends, right. Men are like it was my fault. I fucked it up. I'm a failure. Right. Like, that, that, that like every breakup is a failure. And I'm wondering, like, do you feel like that, perspective for you has shifted and did it have to do with you know the transformation you went through like what where are you on that now um much different place um where i'm at now is a place where the relationship is an unfolding negotiation or an unfolding conversation between myself and my now partner of five years. Um, There isn't a tit for tat or an arrangement of what we're exchanging. There's kind of a, I mean, at this point we're highly committed to each other and we're building a life together and we have very honest conversations quite honestly and quite regularly about where we're at. And we both know like our one commitment to each other is that we have an open line of communication. And if anything were to change that we would come right back into the conversation of what that means and where it takes us and just be fully transparent and fully honest and deal with the reality of whatever our relationship is in that moment. Mm -hmm. So we are both willing or I'm willing to exchange that that certainty for a real relationship and knowing that we both choose each other in that moment. So we, what you're saying is, because I, I heard the word certainty, it sounds like before, when you're in relationships, it was sort of like, I'm in this relationship, it's got to work. <laughs> like, no matter what, like, I'm, I don't know, because I'm, I'm sort of checking this out with you, but like, I'm the man, like, I'm going to make it work, this is going to work, we're going to be great, it's going to be great, I'm in the relationship, like, it's sort of like a do or die, no matter what, because we're in a relationship, it needs to work, mm-hmm. versus, is this working for both of us? Are we growing together? Totally. Do we still want to be doing this? Which is a totally different conversation than I've got to say that it's got to work because it means something about me or like, yeah. Okay. And I think there's, I don't know, maybe a couple layers. It could be even more than that, but there's two that immediately come to mind. There's the, I have to be successful storyline that I have felt before. Like being in a relationship means I'm successful, means I'm worthy. (laughs) that that part there's also for myself and my own journey there's like i'm a i have patterns of being a big time like merger or i easily lose myself in my lover like i just become them i become their interests um early on in dating and relating i would 
like everything that my partner liked and become very much like them in order to find middle ground. So I didn't have a strong sense of like who I was, what my boundaries were, and like just liking myself as as a human and loving myself as I am. Um, And that also was a big part of this, like, I can't let go of a relationship thing because I was so caught up in that. It gave me so much value to be in relationship and so much loving sense and and acceptance and all these things that I didn't feel like I could live without that it really kind of pinned me in a corner when it came to my options Mm. yeah, and my communication and everything else. Yeah. That really, um, that really hits home, especially the part about like, um, my identity, like Mm -hmm. the part of my identity is like, if I truly have merged with this person and, you know, I like what they like and we, we go everywhere together and Mm -hmm. close. And I am known as, you know, her boyfriend or whatever, like there's all of this identity stuff then separating from that would feel pretty painful and scary. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in my journey, when I got really, when I'd been in a relationship for a very long time with a single partner and it had really deteriorated over years and the whole process of uncoupling there was had a lot of layers going on in it. Um, and it was very challenging for both of us. And by the time I got out of that relationship, like I was drained, I had nothing left and I really hadn't had much sexual energy or charge or, or romance or anything in the relationship for so long that I was really craving a partner and a real relationship and sex, like in a serious, serious way. And that was a really key moment for me where I recognized the pattern of like jumping from partner to partner and just kind of becoming them and getting all my needs met without really finding out who I was. And I made a key decision at I don't know what age I was 28 or something of just saying, okay, I'm going to go get a studio apartment and live off my savings and turn off the TV and turn off the cable and not have internet. And I'm going to be here by myself until I know that I'm comfortable waking up and being with myself every day. And I know who I am to a point that when I start this next relationship, I'm not just trying to fill a big hole in my life and in my heart. And that was like nine months of just a lot of silence and walks and dates with myself. And yeah. I'm so curious about this because I, I think that's an incredibly brave act. Like what you just described is, I mean, many people will go their entire lives without ever, doing it. (laughs) And I'm curious, you know, when you made that choice and when you started to be with yourself more, like, was it excruciating? Like, I mean, did all of this loneliness come crashing in? Cause I'm, you know, I'm guessing that was part of the equation was being with someone helped kind of keep some loneliness at bay. Um, in my particular instance, not so much, I think because I had been in I'd been lonely for so long in relationship that that wasn't the new piece. It was like, I know the loneliness and it had been loneliness and a sense of despair. Um, So it was like, okay, despair is gone. So I I had a very unique situation just because of the way, you know, the, the extremeness of discomfort, how bad the relationship was when it finally resolved. Um, And I was also at that point really awakening to, I'll just say my spiritual journey or my healing um, of going, 
what's happening in my body, what's happening in my emotions, like what part of this is mine and what can I do about it? Like, can I think differently? Can I act differently? Are there ways I can take care of myself? Like, how can I be healthier was really where I was at. So it was a journey to health with myself and that actually felt really good. Yes, it was, I mean, like sexually and energetically, like I really was craving that and I, it was just holding off a little longer and making that decision and commitment to myself. Yeah. It sounds like, um, it sounds like the hero's journey, (laughs) part of the hero's journey. And, um, but what I, what I hear in there is a sense of relief actually with that relationship to be over, that it was like a, like a, like a weight on your ankle or kind of like dragging you down. And so maybe you were alone in the studio apartment, but at least you didn't have this thing dragging you down. You were kind of like freed from that at least. Yeah. Kind of like more clearly. And I'm curious in your, um, you know, in your awakening as you're moving through like more spirituality and personal growth, were you, were you doing a lot of that alone or did you have practitioners? Were you working with, like, did you have a therapist or were you you doing EFT or what was your process? What kind of modalities or what process was I going through? Yeah, totally. Um, at that point I had, a couple different really amazing practitioners. Um, I had a body worker that I was working with who did um, a combination of rolfing and besting or bioenergy synchronization technique. So some deep tissue work and some energetic work and also some network chiropractic, which is an energy form of chiropractic. Mm-hmm. So those were two forms of like body work or energy work on my body that I was having done. And then a lot of it was on my own. I've always had a tendency to kind of be a, a lone wolf, sit in my cave, figure it out kind of philosopher type. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like sitting and meditation on my own and a lot of deep reading and journaling and kind of just processing on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually wasn't until I'd say another five years from that point, maybe even six, that I realized how much of the healing journey still was left to be done in community and really stepped into like brotherhood and being seen and not trying to fix everything all by myself so I could come back to the world healed, Mm -hmm. but realizing a big part of the healing journey was letting my brothers and my community see those parts of myself so they could be fully healed. So it kind of happened in stages for me. Yeah. So back to the first stage, I'm, I'm really curious. Um, I've never received rolfing, but, um, it's basically deep, deep tissue massage on specific points of the body. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's, and it's partly to help, uh, release and resolve trauma. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. yeah I would say getting these like deep tissue, you know, body work sessions. Were you experiencing emotion? Did you, did you cry? Did you rage? Was there like, what was coming up in your body? Cause I'm guessing there was some repressed mm. stuff. Is that? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, there was a lot of like emotional release and crying and connecting to like feeling emotions I hadn't felt that were getting stirred up and released as we did all this deep tissue work. Um, so it, it ranged the gamut from like love and connection to anger, rage, frustration, disappointment, you know, anxiety, all of all these emotions that I'd really stuffed for a long, long time and not really sat with. And I'm curious specifically about rage and anger. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of the men that I work with who have like a nice guy background, 
they sometimes don't have access to rage and anger. And I'm wondering, as you were going through your journey, were you surprised by that emotion? Like, how, what was your risk? Like, what was your relationship to rage and anger before? Like, you know, before this, and then after? Mm. Yeah, I definitely disassociated from anger or any version of anger um, prior to this. We'll just say, um, maybe I'd get peeved or ticked off or like about that level, like a level two out of 10 or a three out of 10 was what I was like. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Like I I can own that. Um, but just straight fucking pissed off rage, like seeing red, let it go was not something that I allowed myself or experienced. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling back into that time. Um, it wasn't actually until a bit later that, oh, that's not true. No, I did actually get into some of those stages as well, um, like anger stages and really expressing that and letting that go in that early rolfing period as well. And when you like, when you think about the before stage, did, was the reason you were avoiding that, those feelings because you wanted to be safe for other people? Like, was it because you wanted to be a safe man and so you didn't want to be an angry man? Um, it's a combination and I'll speak to my own journey. I would say I had experienced power as power over most of my life, not in my family. Like I'm very blessed. I, my father is open and communicative and I was never beaten. And like, so I don't have a lot of like physical trauma around anger or aggression. Um, and it's more from like society as a whole. Like just when I looked out, we, we traveled as children. So I lived in West Africa for a while and like just power the way I had seen it or anger the way I'd seen it oftentimes was a power over and a dangerous thing. Like when people get angry, when people get angry, dangerous things happen. Yeah. Um, and I also was, am a sensitive person. Like I'm sensitive to other people's emotions and I feel their emotions a lot. So I think because of that, the idea of like, if I get angry, I'm going to hurt someone and then I'm going to feel their hurt too. Like I just can't do that. So there would just be this like feed. It's almost like a feedback loop with a microphone. It was like, if I, if I really get into this thing, like it's going to feedback loop and that's going to hurt everybody. And I can't deal with that. Yeah. It's kind of how it felt. Um, and I just hadn't realized that like I can get angry in my own space and I can get angry. I can access anger in a way that doesn't have to be outwardly directed. Yeah. And that was, I didn't know that was an option at that point in the, in the game. Okay. So like, for example, I, for example, like to scream in my car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very frequent, not frequent, but you know, if I'm expressing anger, that's a favorite of mine because no one can hear me Yeah, as loud as I want. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Like you didn't even realize that was an option. Yeah, totally. I would never done that now, like screaming into a pillow or punching a pillow or, you know, if the house is mine, shutting all the doors and the windows and just having like rage wild man for, you know, as long as I need turning on a really fucking crazy song and going at it and just like screaming and yelling and stomping and just letting all of the energy out. And I also am a fan of the car. Um, 
all of those, like I just didn't have those release valves as options. And so I'm, I'm, I'm especially curious in terms of like sex and sexuality, as you were opening up these channels and Mm -hmm. some of this stuff, when, once you did start relating with women again, did you find that it impacted, you know, sexuality and your connection as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it gave me and gives me access to, I'll just say a raw power, a different type of, I kind of dislike the word embodiment, but a different way to be in my body, a different way to experience my body and my physicality that the reflections have and continue to be or were that that actually felt more safe. Mm, Interesting. So for example, what you're saying is maybe if you're angry and you're feeling it, you know, all the way in your body and you're not dissociated from it, that actually feels more safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've had that experience with men where I'm like, when I feel like they're not present to it and they're kind Mm -hmm. of passive aggressive and they don't realize they're angry that feels unsafe. Whereas right. actually owning it and being with it and saying like, yeah, I'm pissed feels safer because I feel like there's an alignment between what he's saying, how his body is responding and what I'm feeling. Instead yeah. of one of those doesn't match up with the other. And then I'm like, Oh God, like what, you know, is it me? Am I reading it wrong? Is it like, it, there's just a lot of figuring outness that mm-hmm. I do versus, Oh, I can trust him. He's feeling anger in his body and he's, and he knows it like he's aware of it and he can speak to it or, or whatever it is instead of like, no, everything's fine. Like, Oh God, now I'm scared. Yeah. I, I spent years saying everything's fine. And, and I'll just put this out there cause it's looking back and it's something I've realized is I really honestly, like that was my truth in that moment because everything was fine from my experience of my body. Cause I, literally had no access to not it's a choice and it's a skill to develop and that I can take ownership for. And like everything felt fine because I was completely cut off and numb from those feelings, from those emotions, from what was happening in my own body. Um, and that's not all right. Like that's, that, that wasn't an okay thing for me lifelong. Um, and yeah, I think there's, there's a level of, authenticity and integrity that comes with being able to just feel the feelings that are in your body yeah, and own that in the presence of someone else. And again, I'm curious, like, did you find that this impacted um, your sexuality at all too? Because I mean, you know, the sex chakra, like it's, uh, you know, creativity and, um, there's just a lot wrapped up in that. So I'm curious when you were more cut off from your emotions, like what was sex like versus when you kind of came back into your body? Yeah, totally. Um, There was definitely more range that was available to me in what energies and like expressions of sexuality were available as I opened up the expressions of my own physicality and emotion. Um, and motion. So um, it was like my sex became not so one dimensional. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just sweet and sensual and connected. 
like there was you could it could get edgy it could get powerful it could get raw and still be connected like body to body heart to heart it didn't have to like if power comes online then i need to disconnect my heart because there's power in the space that's really interesting that last thing you said i can you say more about that because i think you're right that that we do tend to have like a binary view of like if it's heart centered and it's sweet then it's like safe and connected versus if there's power there, then it's rapey or there's, or it's dangerous or there's, you know, like a disconnection from the man's heart and it right. doesn't have to be that way. But so can you say more about like, you know, how, how you, how you did that, like how you could be raw and edgy and still connected with your heart and hers? Hmm. Sorry, I'm taking just a moment to like breathe into that a little bit and see, uh, how expressing that feels most authentic. Um, I think it always starts with myself and the way that I was describing power was that power couldn't be love. Like that was my storyline. Like love and power didn't coexist. Mm. And because that was my storyline, then if that expresses itself in the sexual realm, with a partner, then as I go into my power, then my heart goes offline too, because that's the dominant storyline. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and now I actually feel and see that power and dominance can be a very loving gesture. Mm-hmm. Like it's another way of communicating. Um, and so practicing like being in my own power just in life and how I move through life and situations and relationships or conversations or business situations and keeping my heart online. So not shutting that down or closing off to whoever I'm in relationship to that practice and doing that with energetic masters, like uh, my men's leader, Johnny Blackburn and, and practicing literally practicing running energy in the body in the presence of other people to keep a heart connection and still own your power Mm. that entrainment is what brings it to the bedroom brings it to a partner and allows that to be an option Hmm. so it sounds like the um it's it sounds like it's not something that's coming from your head (laughs) no right okay so it's about feeling it in the body and being with the rawness or the electricity or the desire in the body and feeling the heart connection at the same time. Yes. Okay. Right. And, and in that process, if the heart does close being with, okay, this is, this is what is like, this is what's happening and having a facilitator, a partner, someone who can hold that space with you and help you, breathe through feel through if it need be like go through what shadow or story is really running there and let the energy shift and move and repattern so yeah not it's not a head game it wasn't anything that i went and read and was like cool got that you know like i read that book and now that's a thing um and it's an ongoing process like full transparency like i am in the process i'm a recovering nice guy like owning my power is an ongoing thing um, and process of how do I embody that more and more and more in my life, in my work, in my love life, 
um, and keep my whole body, my whole system, my whole heart online too. Yeah. Like I want to show up in all of me and all of the places of my life. Yeah. I'm curious since, um, like since the, you know, this is where the conversation went, did it take you a long time to realize like, Oh, this isn't something I can figure out intellectually. Like I actually have to do it in my body. Like I'm imagining that would have been a journey, just that of like, Oh wow. I can't think my way out of this. I'm like, how old am I now? Just take off a few years and that's how long it took. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was a philosophy degree. I've, it's taken me a while to realize that I essentially disassociated from my body and then my emotions as a child because life was tumultuous and it was painful. And I wanted to just figure life out in my head. And I literally probably spent 20 years just like, if I can figure this all out in my head, then I'll have the answers and I can win at life. And pretty much since I started this spiritual awakening, healing, whatever term you want to give it, the getting into my body journey um of the last nine or ten years um even in that process it's been like wave after wave after wave of realizing you're still in your head you're still actually trying to do this in your head no actually you're still trying to do this in your head like what's happening in your body so yes it took me a long long time and i continue the practice yeah i really like that because i i know a lot of the guys that i work with you know that's the biggest challenge is the, the what do they say that the longest journey is from your heart no from your head down to your heart or the, like yep. the longest journey you'll ever make or is the 18 inches between your head and your heart well Absolutely. I also for men it's like all the way down to your balls like, yeah like the cock and the balls like I work with so many guys where it's like everything is in their head I'm like let's breathe all the way down all the way down your body into your balls can you feel them like can you feel and 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 just that is like can be transformative, you know, when it comes to something like sex, but also when it comes to, like you were saying, owning your power in business or owning your power in, um, boundaries. Yeah. It's, it's the, you know, there's that same, like for men, a lot of their power center is down there in that region. It's not up in their heads, but it, mm-hmm. it seems like, I don't know. It seems like, it seems like that's a very, um, big shift for a lot of um us all of us to make not just men but like the the game is happening in our bodies it's happening in our bodies but we we want it to be happening in our heads somehow <laughs> i don't know if that's because of the way we we're raised in this culture but it takes a i feel like it takes a really long time to genuinely make that shift uh, i believe you're right um i know it has for me been a long journey from head to heart and heart to cock um And I think on some level, I'll just speak from my personal experience, it's just wanting to get it right. Mm. And I think when you live in your head, there's the, the baseline belief is that I can get this right. There is an answer. Mm. There is a way to do this that's right. And if I just keep practicing or figuring it out, like I'll get there. And the emotions and the sensations of the body, the, the, there isn't a right. Yeah. There's no right way to do it. There's just being connected to it and really able to express it. And that's, that's a little bit freaky. If you really 
if you want, like if you're a nice guy and you want to get it right and you want connection and you want everybody to accept you, then being in the raw experience of what your body's really having happen right now with no ability to control it and just feel it like that's freaky because mm-hmm. I can do that wrong. In fact, I'm probably doing it wrong right now. That was very much like my storyline as I started to connect to my body. Wow. Can you say a little bit more about that in terms of like, I'm doing it wrong? Like, would that look like, you know, you're feeling, I don't know, like, you know, discomfort in your stomach or, or like, like a lot of blockage in your throat and you're like, Oh, I'm doing it wrong because I have a block in my throat. Um, there's that. And I think a lot of times for me, again, I'll just keep coming because these aren't things I feel like I can project on all of everybody. For me, I think a lot of it was like the be how you be a man. Oh, okay. The like, am I being a man the right way? Mm. And if I'm doing it from my head, then I can cut, copy, paste, build something and try to do it in a way that like fits my culture, my family, my partner, whatever it is. Like I can do the right things and doing masculinity as what my body's feeling right now. Like I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know if that's going to be right or wrong given my partner or my culture or this person to that person. Like that's kind of that I think was disoriented to me. Yeah. As I stepped into a more visceral experience of this fleshy, awesome suit that I get to live in. Huh. That's, and, really profound. <laughs> That's really profound. I mean, the, just the idea of, of how do I be a man? Right. And the idea of that coming from the head is very different than just the verb of manning. Right. Mm-hmm. Man just means you're a man and you are being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're manning. You're doing it right now. I love that. Am I being a man, which comes with so much other crap? Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, it's just that I found that really profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're moving on. You've, you know, gone through your, your 20, late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, you did the alone thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you're, um, well, you said it was like five or six years. So now you're in your early to mid thirties and you, you start doing the part of the journey that includes community and yeah. brotherhood. And I'm curious, what did you, what did, what did that shift for you again, in terms of how you were relating with women or dating or sexuality, that stuff, like how did that impact it? Mm. Oh, this is good. So I did my cave time alone in the cave thinking I could fix myself alone. Um, and, and made a lot of headway, like to be very honest, like did a lot of work on mindfulness and awareness and communications and boundaries and like really took huge strides in like owning desires and speaking to them most of the time. A lot of that really shifted. Um, and mid thirties, I actually started dating my now current partner and it's been the best relationship I've ever had in my life. And she's done a lot of development as well. And so can really meet me. Um, and in a lot of ways, like show me the way, um, 
for open communication and embodiment and like speaking to what's really happening and, and these types of things. And I realized in this relationship pretty early on that some of those old patterns were still there, that I was sitting across from my partner and she was saying, I don't know who you are. I don't know, like, why don't you share yourself with me? Mm. And like, I was, once again, I was like, I'm right back here again. It was just, it felt so the same as uh, my previous partner saying, like, when I was saying everything's okay and, and totally cut off from my body and knowing that like the relationship was sinking and I didn't have access to my emotions to save it. And even if I did, I didn't have the skills to have the conversation. So, oh my God, forget it. And as I found myself there again, after all that personal development, I was like, what in the something is not right. Like, this is not okay. I'm not going back down the same road. I'm not going to end up in the same place and something's got to give. And I literally just happened to run across a, a men's group leader very shortly thereafter who had a men's group. And I was like, I don't care what it takes. I'm making the investment. I'm going to do whatever this next stage is. And as soon as I got in the men's circle, I realized it was just having other men hold space is the term. It's kind of a woo-woo space, but just hold real conversations, yeah. hear what was happening in my world. Maybe say, ah, I get you. Maybe say you're full of shit. It didn't really matter. Just hear what was real for me and move on. Like just to have a space where I could be fully honest with other men for two or three hours once a week, change my world. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah. This is really important. And so continually, like I've gone into other men's groups and getting in physical proximity with other men, doing physical exercise in training and sharing not just our hearts, but our power and developing that and holding each other to like what we're capable of in the world and our highest vision and not letting each other waver. Like all of those things to me have been a huge boon and really set a foundation for a different level of masculinity than even just my head and my heart had done kind of solo. Yeah. And it also sounds like it, it impacted your relationship. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> big about, time about how that- uh, um this is one that would be better for my partner to answer perhaps and perhaps in terms of how she experiences me because i think it would be more insightful but i'll just say what i sense is one my my partner my doesn't have to carry everything for me anymore like that's something that i used to do back in the college years was like my partner was everything to me. So they had to carry everything for me and having brotherhood means like I have somewhere else to take my shadows and my, my challenges and my guilt and my, whatever it is and, and process it and have it be seen and, and moved or shifted. And that I think has really lightened the relationship at home. Um, it, it actually, it kind of reminds me that I was in a relationship with a guy and he, he did open up to me and he did share himself with me. And I was aware that I was the only one he opened up to. And I was the mm-hmm. only one he shared those things with, and it, that didn't feel safe. It didn't feel like I had the space to like, leave the relationship for example which we i think like made the relationship less secure 
rather than more secure. Cause I, I felt like, I felt a little bit like, Oh, he's going to fall apart if I leave. Mm-hmm. And that didn't feel very secure. Um, and, and I didn't know how to say like, I need you to be in a men's group. I need right. you to be in community. I need you to have deep friendships with other men that you trust. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to say that. Like, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to make him feel like, you know, he's less of a man because he doesn't have these deep friendships. You know, I just didn't know how to say it. And so I left the relationship because it doesn't feel safe. Like this doesn't feel safe and it doesn't feel sustainable. Like I don't, I don't trust that you have support. Yeah. 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 It feels analogous to that first stage of like, I feel my feelings and they're mine and I can tell you that I'm feeling them or have some access to it. And so now you know that. And so we can have a different kind of relationship than me being cut off from it. Like we talked about that first level of like trust that is felt when, when that's there. And I feel like brotherhood and like connecting to community is just like this whole nother level of like roots and trust that comes in that sets a foundation for a relationship to go even deeper. Yeah. It's like, great. You have access to your emotions. You, you can connect to them. You can communicate them. You can have a hard conversation with me and be present in your body, like feel whatever you're really feeling. And we don't have to do all that work together. You actually have another place where you can process that too. And a a powerhouse group of men that will hold you to what you're capable of that I get to like celebrate and not have to do all that work with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like, Oh, like so much of the quote work has been lifted. Like you get to go do your work by yourself and I'll go do my work. And when we come together, Leon and I, uh, my partner and I, we say that a lot. Like we choose to play together. Like we do deep work, but we like to do our deep work, like so that we can then come together and play. It doesn't mean we don't sometimes do deep work together as well. But that's not the model of our relationship is like, well, we're great because we always do deep work together and it's hard and we push through. It's like, no, we'd love to play together and be light and joyous. And if there's deep work to be done, I'd say half the time or more, we do it separate in containers that hold that for ourselves. Mm. Oh, I really like that. I like that um, coming together to play together as a model, like the, mm. you know, the sort of like what are we doing in this relationship? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like we come together and we celebrate and we play mm-hmm. together. And, and like you said, like, you know, if things come up, you know, we need to have a repair conversation. We do that. Um, totally. We're avoiding it. Like, Oh, we only play together. Like we're only, we're only, you know, that's not what you're talking about, but no. The intention is like, this is what we're doing here. We're, we're celebrating. <laughs> we're playing together. And that's the like foundation. And then comes in rather than we're together to really see our shadows and work through our trauma, like that, that's the foundation. It's not like that. It's like, this is the foundation. It's celebration. We get to be together and we get to have sex and we get to honor each other. And, you know, if stuff comes up, we do that, but that's the sort of default, you know, idea. I I love that. Thanks. And, and I'll say, I don't, like I have a, a gut level feeling that every relationship has like a contract, like a reason or a season or, or, or a purpose to it. And 
I happen to be in a relationship where that season, I think is really like the intention of our coming together is really joyous, mm. like lightness, like, and we both feel extremely blessed that that's the case. And that main, like my experience is some other relationships that wouldn't fit, like they are together to do deep work and heal parts of themselves that only they can heal together. And like, and that can have a certain energy to it. And it's definitely not the case for for my partner and I, it's like, that would not work for us. We're all about the play and having a good time because life is short and it's fun. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Well said. Cause you're right. It's different seasons of life or different pairings, you know, have a different purpose. Um, right. it's nice to hear. It's just nice to hear from someone who is in a relationship where that is the, the foundation. Like that's so lovely. You know, like, I don't feel like you hear about that a lot. <laughs> actually which I think you're right I think <laughs> I think it's easy once you get into the personal development world once you're like hey there's like this body and all these emotions and they're connected to stories and not even just the things I think but like the subconscious things that have been like programmed there from my family and oh my gosh we have all this like there's the people that came before my family and my lineage and oh my gosh I'm connected to all these other people like there's so much stuff to heal here you know and I think once that once that awareness is there and like you start doing the quote work and you get the benefits, you're like, oh, it's so much better once I figured that out and I moved through it and there's more potential or more opportunity. It can, I think, become kind of an addiction of its own. Like what's the next thing to heal and what's the next shadow and let's process some more together. And that works for some people. And I don't know. We're just both at a point where it's like, we'll do that when it's needed. And the rest of the time, let's party. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, so um, as we start to wrap up here, I'm wondering, like, are you starting to like mentor other men through this? Like, where are you at now in terms of what you, what you are doing and how you're, you know, helping others if that's part of what you're doing. Awesome. Um, yes, I am. I founded Conscious Dance Academy about a year ago now. Um, and in that context, I do a lot of the helping people be in their bodies and do relationship. Let's just say that because when people get together, how we feel in our body shows up, particularly when we interact with each other. So that's been ongoing for about a year. And I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with couples and individuals in that setting. Um, my work, the bulk of my work has actually shifted away from the dance focus and into unspoken leadership and helping people of all types, business professionals in particular, understand and connect to their body in a way where they can master their nonverbal influence so that they can connect and direct their teams to like better outcomes with a lot more ease. So I just have always found that my life and my work is at the cross section of leadership, relationship, <laughs> and the body. Yeah. And so I'm finding right now that my work, um, like I haven't, I, I do seminar leadership trainings where we get together and we get in our bodies and we help understand what part of what we're communicating is not the words. So what we call the unspoken leadership. And it's really amazing to watch people like just get more mastery around what their body's saying so that they communicate more effectively. 
And a lot of times it's around these issues of power and like power with people instead of power over people um, and how to stay connected to your emotions when you're driving someone. So I get the feeling in my work that this is a big collective thing that we all get to work out together around how do we do power? How do we do communication? How can we really drive each other and not bowl each other over with insensitivity? Mm. That's, I mean, that's so relevant for our culture. You know, how we, there's so many of us that don't want to see the power over paradigm anymore. Um, But we haven't had another paradigm (laughs) yet. So we're, like you said, I think there's a lot of figuring out like, okay, how do we do this? power thing together? How do we do decision-making together? Because there still needs to be some leadership in an organization right? that always look like one person telling everyone what to do. No, there's other models. So how do we do that? Yes. And, and it's amazing how much of it, for me, how much of it is analogous from relationship. Like, like you said, leadership, you know, there's ways to lead in relationship that aren't, okay, I'm making all the decisions for you but they are holding that for the sake of this, like that masculine pull of like, I have certainty. Yeah. Like I'm holding the certainty so strong that I can be open to your feedback and still hold the certainty. And that feels so different than like, I'm going to create certainty by making the decisions for you and taking away your autonomy. Uh, You know, and I think that that's so much of, like you said, the conversation right now of what's the next emerging way. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, there have been like several men in my life who they've held the certainty of like I want to be with you. Mm. Like I see, I, I see us in a relationship. I want to be with you, and usually they they weren't they weren't saying this aloud, like you said, but they were holding a position of I want to be with you, and their certainty was like like it was like an oak tree that I could you know circle around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a cat like okay maybe well I don't know like I wasn't certain but he was holding that in the field I mean he was holding it and so I could then kind of relax into it and he wasn't saying you have to be with me right that's not what he was saying he was saying I want to be with you I see us together and you can dance your little dance and you can be uncertain that's totally fine you can have mm-hmm. your and I want to be with you and mm-hmm. I which I really um, have found works for me as, as you know, someone, it, I would say my core is definitely feminine mm-hmm. because I, I'm not always certain and I'm scared sometimes, especially of like committed, you know, monogamous relationship, like because of my, the way my nervous system is patterned, that's edgy for me. So mm-hmm. he's also unsure or a little shaky or not holding the certainty I'm definitely not going to be the one holding that pole. Like it's right. not, not my natural, you know, default. Um, but I've loved that, that unspoken leadership, like you said, that those mm-hmm. held because it's been, I mean, it's just been, it's just been the best way for me to relax into partnership. Like, okay, I don't have to hold all of this, you know, um, certainty basically. I right. can- like he's leading me, like he's leading me through that with his certainty, but he's not dominating me. He's not telling me you have to be with me or else I'm going to hurt you 
or Mm -hmm. I'm going to emotionally blackmail you or take all my love away. Like that was was like, it was like, here I am. I'm certain you can have whatever experience you're having. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So you're, so you're kind of doing that sort of thing more in the professional realm. Yeah. Uh, my focus is almost exclusively in the professional realm. Um, at this point, I have a few remaining one-on-one clients that I still do a little bit more of kind of the relational stuff with. Um, and my full energy is behind unspoken leadership at this point, which is really exciting. It's really fun to see it land in, in the professional kind of real world and not just the woo-woo world of transformational healing. Totally. And so if people are interested in that, how can they find you? Oh, thanks. Um, just my website, unspokenleadership.com, um, is the best way to stay up to date on what we've got going on and our leadership training seminars and so forth. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. Um, okay, so I think that we'll probably wrap there. Is there anything else? I'm curious, any advice that you would have for like a guy out there who identifies with your story um, and just the next step for him to take? Yeah. Um, I would say reach out and find a mentor or someone else that you can like get in a men's group. I mean, that's, that's the shortest answer is get in community with men. And there are many different circles of men, many different groups that you can reach out to find one in your area and go get in person with other men. Because I think the biggest pain that most men feel is thinking that they're the only one who's feeling what they're feeling. Yeah. And that really like opened the door and made me feel that made me realize like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Yeah. And then it felt good to like, just go on the process and like learn what I learned and grow. But I wasn't feeling like, Oh my God, I'm the only one going through this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Get in a men's group guys. That's right. Or talk to Melanie. Also good. Yeah. We're getting Jason in my men's group. That that would work too. Okay. um, Thanks. This was great. Yeah, this was really fun. I'm really glad we did this. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.